Hi, welcome to this week's episode. This week I interview Sandy Adams as she talks about the UN Agenda 21-2030. Now, as with each of my guests on the show, I always give them the opportunity to speak and I'll let you, the listener, decide and discern within what is right and wrong for yourself. I really am curious to know what do you think about what we discuss in this episode and if you agree or disagree, uh, what are the solutions? If you do agree, if you don't agree, why don't you agree? I'd love to hear your feedback. I think it's through dialogue that we can find better solutions to what's going on in our society and our world. And, you know, constructive dialogue. If you believe a stupid comment, I'm not going to respond to it. And, you know, uh, and as always, uh, enjoy the show. All right, we're on. This is Back to Being. I'm Dr. Marwin. Today, my guest is Sandy Adams. Sandy hails from the UK and is a researcher, mother, and grandmother. She was a set designer for live events and worked with the likes of Bill Gates of Microsoft, Eric Schmidt of Google, Glasgow, Glasgow Smith Klein, and more. She eventually left that life and went to London where she ran a bar and live music venue, which is now gone due to COVID. She has been researching and speaking about UN Agenda 21-2030 for over 10 years, and we'll go into more details about that today. In the last two years before COVID, she went on tour in the UK with astrophysicist Piers Corbin and researcher Mark Windows to warn people of what was to come by the climate change lobbying by people like Greta Thunberg and more in regards to Agenda 21. Remember to subscribe to the podcast for more information about how to live an extraordinary life full of vitality, health, wealth, love, happiness, and elevate your consciousness. Share with your friends and family, and as always, enjoy the, enjoy the show. Sandy, welcome to Back to Being. Honored to have you on. Thank you so much for, for inviting me on, Marwin. Brilliant to see you. Thank you. Yes, likewise. Uh, how are you? Tell us a little about yourself, and uh, how is the UK currently? Oh, the UK is is under under the cosh, really. Um, uh, you know, I I I despair at the moment because you know this is a this is such a long term plan that's been implemented incrementally over a very long period of time, and the normal Joe on the street has no idea of what is really happening and what what's been happening under the radar for for for, for decades. And, you know, they, a lot of them think it is really a genuine uh, virus that will go away and everything will be fine. They just have to keep putting the masks on and do as they're told and everything will be fine. And this simply isn't so. Uh, this is not about a virus. It's about control. Um, and uh, most people don't understand. I mean, if you were to ask the normal person in a supermarket wearing a mask, if they knew what the World Economic Forum was, what the United Nations was, who Klaus Schwab is, they wouldn't have a clue. And yet these institutions and this person, Klaus Schwab, is actually radically affecting the way we are living right now and forever if they get their way. And that's my biggest problem is that most people simply don't know what's going on. Mm. Um, and it's only really because, I mean, there's a few very switched on people now and, uh, you know, they are doing the research and we've got a big groundswell of people coming up and understanding what is really happening. Um, but it's not the majority at the moment. And until it gets onto 
Good Morning Britain and, you know, the BBC, which it will never do unless the, their hand is forced, um, that people will just not get this at all unless it's actually on the telly. And, you know, I've, I just don't watch the television. Uh, I, I only really get my sources from, from, from alternative media simply because you won't get the truth on, on the mainstream media. And most people are tied into that. That's the biggest problem. Um, and most of my, I mean, I, I don't know how far, uh, far back you want to go, but I mean, I, I really got involved with Agenda 21 about 10 years ago. And it was when I gave up my old life in London and moved to the Southwest. I, I had been working with, with, weirdly, I'd been working in the corporate world with people like um, Eric Schmidt from Google, um, I, who I met. I also met um, Bill Gates. Um, I, I did installations wow. for Microsoft uh, and designed uh, environments for him to showcase uh, his, his work. And I, there was something that didn't sit right with working in the corporate world. I'd come from theatre. That's what I've been trained as, as a theatre designer. I'd worked in the theatre and in television, in, in film and, and TV, and, and also in the music industry and um, uh, sort of music videos. And I, I suddenly found myself in this corporate world where I really wasn't comfortable. I, it wasn't my, my thing. And I, I think my biggest thing was, oh dear, I think, is the internet okay? Yeah. Um, my biggest thing was, uh, working for GlaxoSmithKline and, and they were saying they wanted to penetrate the Ayurvedic market and that's when I drew the line I thought I've got to get out of here so I did I'm, I changed my life I left my life in London um, I you know my marriage broke up my husband is still working in the in the events industry he's actually working for Tony Blair at the moment so I had to leave that it just wasn't right for me so I left and I came to the Southwest and I really researched Agenda 21. Now, how did I find out about it? I'd always known about it and I was actually looking into it very deeply. When I met a journalist, when the, uh, the, the Somerset levels flooded, I met a journalist because I was sandbagging, trying to stop the, the flooding. And I knew that Agenda 20, United Nations Agenda 21 was a lot about land grabbing. It was a, it's about grabbing a literally seizing land and it always has been and uh, I found out that the, the the Somerset levels were actually flooded under um, a um, an environmental uh, the environmental remit of the Ramsar Treaty of Agenda 21 and it's a long story but I met a journalist down there called Christopher Booker and he said to me you do know this is Agenda 21 and when I looked into it it was it was actually he was right and I then really so, researched so, so, so sorry to interrupt you. It just uh, just curiosity. Yeah. So what you're saying is like those floodings in Somerset, for people that may not be aware of it, like were they man-made? Were they naturally occurring? Like, what do you mean was it part of agenda? Well, that's very interesting. It's a good question. Um, what had happened is we'd had a, a heavier than usual uh, spring rainfall. We're talking 20, it's 2014, a very much heavier than usual rainfall. And... Um, There'd been a lot of chemtrailing and I was actually working on a film about chemtrails when this all happened. And we went down to film the flooding because we thought that the, the unusual rainfall was to do with the chemtrails. But there was obviously never any proof of that. But what I found out really from uh, the research that I did 
was that the Environment Agency had not uh, kept up the infrastructure. It was a bit like what happened in um, in New Orleans with the with the um, with the levees. They neglected the reens, which drained the Somerset levels, had been neglected, and the trees had been cut down, so the water wasn't being soaked up along the, the, the edges. The pumping stations had been decommissioned and, and not working properly. And there were various reasons why, for some reason, the Environment Agency had decided to just leave leave it, and they hadn't dredged the, the reens either, which were these... Uh, water courses that go all across the levels, which had been there for hundreds of years, which normally the farmers and the local people had uh, always drained, but it had been put given over to the Environment Agency, who had neglected all of that for decades, and so it was a it was a perfect storm of heavy rainfall, possibly due to chemtrails. It's never been proven, um, but certainly what was proven was the fact that the they had neglected the infrastructure but environment agency policy to actually flood that area and it was called policy six and it was actually put together in 1997 by somebody called baroness young who was in charge of the environment agency at the time under an agenda 21 uh policy to actually flood that area to help biodiversity to help uh, they, they wanted to help um seawater not seawater but wading birds it was all part of the rspb well that completely uh, knocked on you know i couldn't work this out because it was so ridiculous because all the hedgerows were underwater and there was fallow deer sort of floating belly up down the river so it wasn't about protecting wildlife at all and 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 baroness young apparently at the time in 1997 it said you know agenda 21 just add water you know this was a way of of reclaiming land and it, it was so obvious to me so I went into agenda 21 completely and realized that it was a global action plan to actually own everything on the planet including all the land all the minerals everything and that's exactly I mean I've got a copy of it here where is it Oh, here we are. There we are. This is Agenda 21. It's a 42-chapter document published by the United Nations. And it, it, it really came out of the Earth Summit in 1992. And if okay. you read all of this, it'll be a very uh, sugar-coated way of saying, for the benefit of humanity, because of climate change, we have to do X, Y, and Z. And most of it is about owning everything and controlling everything. Because we humans have been so bad, we have allowed all this, uh, uh, you know, every, everything, everything to do with global warming is our fault, which is rubbish. And that the only way to save the planet is to implement all these structures, which will... But it's all, it's, all of this is about global control. Um, and, I mean, it's proven because what is actually happening now is... A manifestation of that control um, and it's very interesting how the whole COVID thing is now all conflated it's all been sort of woven together with climate change just recently with the WEF and and the United Nations now this is this is all planned I mean uh, basically agenda 21 I've, I've sort of written it here because it's very difficult for people to understand right um, you know it's 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 really a, an agenda for the last 30 years since the Earth Summit in 1992 or 30 years or more. 
<coughs> it was a green policy to create a utopian future free from oil-based economy and out of control rampant capitalism and consumerism. That's what they said it was. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> but it is, in fact, a plan for global governance and re-engineering of human society that has little to do with preserving human rights and freedoms and how humanity has become the enemy in the eyes of those who endeavour to control freedom. It's ultimately about choice. If you take away choice, freedom ceases to exist. Currently, freedom of choice, freedom of thought and speech is threatened. Without this, we have tyranny. And that's what we're, we're really under at the moment. Is, is, that, is that written in the... No, no, oh. this is something that I've written okay. um, to explain to people exactly what Agenda 21 claims to do. I mean, it's very clever. The United Nations don't openly say, well, we're going to do this, right. this, and this, and create tyranny. What they're saying is that they want to, in the 17 goals of Agenda 20, 2030, um, they say things like, we want food security. We want... Um, so they'll talk about Monsanto, GMO. Mm. Um, they talk about uh, equality. And that, so they're talking about universal basic income. <coughs> so everyone is equally poor. Yeah, so we are, we're actually seeing about, elements of that right now, right? With the universal basic oh, income, 100%. the GMOs, yeah. Monsanto, the food supply. Uh, yeah. The, you know, a lot of people, <coughs> the food, like what is even real food anymore, right? Well, we don't have, sorry, I've got a bit of a tickle. Oh, no worries. Okay, it's quite it's quite fascinating what you're explaining so far. Yeah. Um, so what what they've done? I mean, in in Agenda Twenty One, and this is this was Agenda Twenty One, and it came out of the Earth Summit in 1992. <clears throat> now, the Earth Summit was actually the history of it, and I, I put this into my powerpoints when I travelled the country with Piers and Mark. It actually was a, it originated. <clears throat> from a, a, a various Club of Rome reports, um, one of them, the one of the first ones, was uh, limits to growth, which was all about depopulation, well, overpopulation, um, in 1971, which happened to come around the same time as Paul Ehrlich wrote uh, the population bomb, which never happened. He he expected that population would rise this much and we wouldn't be able to stay, sustain ourselves. Well, that didn't happen. You know, popu you know, everything seems to always have an equilibrium and a balance, and nature does that. It always does. And whatever models they they push, which is what exactly what's happening now, with the models that are coming out of the Imperial College, they over egg the pudding and they make these models to to catastrophize everything in order to control us so what happened um they, they so they had these club of rome reports and then there was a second one in 1997 1987 which was called uh, our common future now this is all on my website and it, it was really all about shifting the economy the the the, the, the money really from the what they called the developed and over-consuming West to the East, which seemed like a very equitable thing to do at the time in 1987. It was written by somebody called Gro Harlem Brundtman. She was the Prime Minister of Norway at the time, very socialist lady. Um, <clears throat> and it was commissioned by Maurice Strong, who actually organised the Earth Summit. Now, she wrote this, and, and it seemed like a good idea, but actually all it, all it did was actually 
allow the globalists to use the cheap labor force in China and India to create the technocratic society we have now. That was all it did. And we, we lost all the money went from the West to the East, not all the money, but a huge proportion of our, our incomes went to the West to, to the East, not to help the poor. The poor are still poor. It was actually to create the tech industry. And, and then on, then uh, there was another one in 1991, which was called our, um, uh, which was called the First Global Revolution. Now these three Club of Rome reports created Agenda 21. So our, the the First Global Revolution was um, a, a global think tank by the Club of Rome, because the Club of Rome is at the back of all this, you know, along with the Council for Foreign Relations, or the Trilateral Commission, all these secret societies, the Bilderbergs, all these secret societies, and they do exist, and they do, they are trying to decide what to do with humanity and tell, you know, literally to, to control humanity. So they all got behind... <clears throat> the Club of Rome, to try and, and, and think of a way that they could create a global catastrophe which would actually unite with a global response. And they decided, and on page 112, they decided that anthropogenic global warming would fit the bill because they, they thought of famine, they thought of this, they thought of that, you know, all sorts of uh, disasters. But they thought that, that global warming would fit the bill. So then was born Agenda 21, at the Earth Summit. Now, the man who, who was the head, the grandfather of Agenda 21 was a guy called Maurice Strong. He had worked for the Rockefellers for many, many years. Um, he was a globalist. He was a billionaire, an oil billionaire. And he, he also adored China. His sister lived with Mao Zedong and she, he loved the Chinese system. And, and what was, it, what was his name like, again? His name was Maurice Strong. Okay. Now he um, he died a few years ago, but he lived into, well into his eighties. But he died in China because he was exiled to China um, during the nineteen eighties. I think it was the uh, must no, it must have been no, it must have been after the Earth Summit. He was exiled to China, and I can't remember the year. But he was got involved in the oil for food scandal with Adnan Khashoggi, and he was either going to be arrested and put in jail in in the states or get out and he got out he went to live in in um in china and interestingly he was one pushing pushing the global warming agenda saying you know we're all going to die if you don't save the planet if you don't do this and you don't do that and yet when he got to china he set up a car company um with uh, george soros um manufacturing carbon unfriendly cars this company was called cherry and he was he was shipping these cars to the US to make money. So he, this is a man with no scruples whatsoever. He's a, he's a con man. Now, if a con man can set up the Earth Summit and it's conned the world because it's not gone away because it's now being conflated with COVID. Um, and I can, I can prove that there's, there's been a meeting, you know, there was a meeting in, in January uh, 2019 and it's called the... <clears throat> It's actually called the Strategic Partnership Framework. And it was a meeting um, with the UN General Secretary, Antonio Guterres, and Klaus Schwab. And it was how could they accelerate? How could they accelerate? 
accelerate Agenda 2030 because they couldn't quite, it wasn't moving fast enough and it never has. I mean, they've always had these goals. Every year there's been a COP conference, a climate conference throughout the world, yeah. somewhere in the world, and their goals have never been achieved. And they were getting very, very impatient. And so the whole idea was setting up this strategic partner partnership framework was a, a way of... Um, Bringing, bringing in an acceleration of, uh, of Agenda 20, 2030, because Agenda 21 had originally had eight goals. And then in 2015, in Rome, the Pope and uh, uh, the United Nations General Secretary and President Obama all got together and launched Agenda 2030 as mm -hmm. the agenda for the, for, for, uh, that would take us to 2030. Instead of it being the agenda for the 21st century, which is what Agenda 21 was, they then um, created 17 goals that would be achieved by 2030 and launched that. And that really... You know, I think they thought that by bringing in the whole Greta Thunberg thing and, and Extinction Rebellion, that that would actually push people into taking some notice of climate change and giving up their cars and giving up their um, doing more cycling and doing this. And to a degree, um, it did. It, it made things a bit better for them, but not enough just not enough. So in order to make it more personal, they turned the threat from the planet will die into you will die by bringing in this, uh, this wow. threat of, of the virus. Um, and, you know, they, they, they did it. They, 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 they got this whole uh, sort of um, thing together. And now we're sort of like we're sleepwalking into sort of technocratic, you know, panopticon, yeah. really. We're just sort of, the whole thing is is <clears throat> is bringing in the technocracy, and it's interesting that the technocracy movement of the 1930s was reborn in 1971 by um, Zbigniew Brzezinski, because the whole idea of the technocracy movement of the 1930s was that um, they, they they just had a big depression, a bit a bit like now, if you like, the, yeah. the, the depression we're heading for. Um, and they'd had this big depression and the whole idea was to get rid of um, politicians and to get rid of price-based economy and replace it with something else. And the whole idea was that they would replace it with a carbon economy. Now, all that got shelved. A load of sort of political scientists and technocrats got together in John's, um, not in Columbia University, not Johns Hopkins, Columbia University, and, and made the, set out this whole new uh, economic system. But, um, you know, but it got shelved because of the Second World War. And what happened then is it was reinvented by Zbigniew Brzezinski, who again is a member of the Club of Rome, a member of the Trilateral Commission. He launched it again and said, we will have a technocratic society and this is how we will do it. And, and they actually even said they would do it through climate change. So this has been sort of, and, and interestingly, that was 1971, which also was the same year that they wrote Limits to Growth. This has been a very long-term plan. And in that fact- was also. Also, it just it just recall. Sorry, to interrupt you, but nineteen seventy one was also the yeah. year uh, the gold standard was taken away for the currency. Exactly, you're absolutely right. All of this happened. I think really 
to be honest, this has been a plan by the United Nations to actually have global governance since uh, since the end of the Second World War. Um, and what they what they did, what they really wanted, they wanted open borders between Canada, US and, and South America. And the EU was all part of that plan to create the United States of Europe. And um, and, and what happened was, of course, it became Europe became an economic disaster in, in, in a decade right. or just over a decade. It, yeah. they'd, they'd literally, uh, it was bankrupt. And so really, all that painstaking sort of manipulation towards the new world order was kind of slipping out of their reach. And Brexit, you know, literally uh, freed their hand, you know, in a way. And that's, I'm wondering if that's why Cummings was brought in to push Brexit through. But, you know, so what you're saying is, is that Brexit, that, Brexit um, aided, aided the global agenda or did it well, halt no, the agenda? I, I, do you know, I don't know. What I'm, all I'm seeing okay. is that someone like Dominic Cummings, who is a technocrat, he's a total technocrat. He's somebody that actually believes in transhumanism. He was the, the hand behind Brexit. Now, I okay. don't know whether he, whether he was doing it for the ends of the new world order. But it, obviously, you know, the thing is that, you know, it, Europe, the whole European Union has, uh, you know, will fall eventually because if, and this is in a way the virus has stopped that, has stopped the, 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 Europe, the, the, the European Union from falling. Uh, we don't hear anything about that at the moment because their economies, every, what they're doing is they're designing everything to crash at the same time. So the yeah. thing is that the, the European Union losing its traction because at the time of Brexit, everybody was, was trying to get out. You know, there was, there was Italy was trying to get out. Uh, Spain was trying to get out. All of them were trying yeah, to get out of that. the European yeah. Union. So anyway, this, yeah, this has been a long-term plan. But what, what's happened now is it's almost as though at the moment, uh, everything will crash. So in a way, they don't need to worry about the European Union uh, losing its traction because the, in a way they've got their global governance uh, fast-tracked. And I think that's why it's happened in this way because they, they haven't got their United States of Europe. And if you look at Klaus Schwab, that is really was his dream, was to have yeah. a, a total uh, control over the entire world and particularly Europe. So, now, now, for, for um, people that may not know who, sorry to interrupt you, but to people that may not know who Clark Charles Schwab is, can you explain who that is? Yeah, Klaus Schwab is the, um, is, he's the head of the uh, World Economic Forum. Now, if you uh, Google him and look at some of his, um, uh, well, you can see him on the World Economic Forum's website. He, this man wouldn't be out of place in a, a spoof Bond film stroking a white cat. I mean, he really is a sort of Dr. Evil type character. He speaks in a very, very strong, almost Austrian guttural, uh, you know, uh, that's not being, you know, it's just that he's a, he's a classic. He's almost like a, a classic um, Bond uh, baddie. <clears throat> but worse than that, he's real. And what he wants, I mean, he, he believes that drones and the whole technocratic system is great. He believes in transhumanism, uh, linking up the, the human with the, uh, with the Internet of Things, which is called the Internet of Bodies, by the way. If you care to go on the World Economic Forum's website, they talk about the Internet of Bodies, which is actually enmeshing the human flesh with 
the the AI. Now that sends shivers running down my spine. But these people who are running this whole uh, this whole thing, this whole what I I, I think I think I, I'd call it a technological regime tra- change. Uh, seem to think that this is all okay and that robots, uh, you know, to turn humans into robots is absolutely fine and to depopulate is fine. And, and you know, this is, this is although they don't, they're not open about depopulation, right. it is happening and it's been happening during COVID-19. So... Um, how, how, has it, you know, how has it been, ha- uh, just, just to touch on that, as you, how has it been happening currently? Well, currently we've had... Uh, I don't know what, what's it like in the States, but we've had uh, people cannot access hospital treatment at the moment right. in the UK. Uh, so people who would normally be being treated for cancer, heart disease, you name it, uh, are, are not being able to access that and are, are actually suffering and are not able to even access chemotherapy and uh, testing for cancer. And the thing is that there's, they've got very little access to uh, the hospitals. We've also had a massive amount of people dying in care homes. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty much, it's pretty much similar all over, all over the world. Yeah. 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 And, and, and Pete, the suicide rate, oh my God, that has gone up exponentially. The suicide rate is, is, is over I mean, it's 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 over the, the the normal limits for for you know or statistics for for a normal year. Um, in yeah. fact, I think it's trebled or something ridiculous. I can't remember it, but it's really huge. And I, you know, th- this is happening all the time. And I think there's there's people who are getting sick, and they're getting sick with with worry as well about what's happening to the world. You know, there's a m- massive increase in in mental health cases. And this is, it's cruel. It's a very cruel agenda. What's going on is unbelievably non-human and cruel. And, um, yeah, you touched on a little while ago about the Imperial College model number. I mean, the, yeah. the uh, projections, well, you know, that leads to what you're talking about right now with the, yes. what, you, what you call the cruelty well, of humanity with like these lockdowns and such and that right now, everywhere in the world's either yeah. in a lockdown or going back in one. Uh, yeah. You know, maybe it's in, in the one thing that fascinates me and maybe you can touch on this too is yes, there have been an excessive number of deaths in other categories such as suicides and, you know, people dying of what, whatever, uh, in nursing home deaths, uh, ex- a lot of excess deaths in every country. But the fascinating thing is also if you look at the number of deaths in total, hasn't exceeded, at least in the States, what is normal number percentage of deaths per population per year. So while people are dying of things that they don't normally die of, they're actually not dying of other things. So it makes you wonder what's actually going on. Yeah, well, you look at the Office of National Statistics and no one's no no one really has died from cancer and heart disease this year. It's right. all been COVID. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's it's... I mean, to be honest, the, 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 the highest rate of death apparently in this country is, is um, Alzheimer's and dementia, you know, related diseases. Mm. And those have all seem to have gone down. It's COVID again. And the, the, what happened with Imperial College, I find it quite interesting because on the 19th of March um, 2020, um, <clears throat> the 
the virus was downgraded from a highly infectious disease, um, contagious disease, and I think they call it an HDIC or whatever it's called, highly infectious contagious disease, um, to um, to not being a highly, you know, infectious contagious disease. And literally a couple of days later, uh, Imperial College came out with, I mean, Ian, it was it Ferguson came out with this, uh, this computer model from Imperial College saying that actually 500,000 people were going to die and that we had to put in, you know, sort of serious lockdown restrictions. And Boris Johnson listened to him. And I, I always remember because it was it was when I, I, I was running a business and I had to actually close it down overnight. We had five hours to close the business down. And wow. as did everyone in England. Yeah. And um, I, I kept thinking, well, a few days ago, they said it wasn't a contagious disease. What's going on? And sure enough, the, the computer models that they'd cooked up, which are inaccurate, totally inaccurate, said that all these people were going to die. Well, he, Boris Johnson looked like a rabbit in the headlights, locked down the entire country. And then um, a couple of days later, Neil Ferguson said, oh, no, it's, a, it's probably be about 250,000. And then it went down to even less. And then it went yeah. down to the of seasonal flu so yeah. why did we lock the entire country down well that's because they want to crash the economy and the the world economic forum and and the united nations are very very clear about this they want this new reset they want a whole economic reset and they've said in their um in their in their uh on their website you know has our love affair with gdp um come to an end you know mm. shall, i mean i don't know if anybody if anybody's watching this please go to the world economic forum website go to united nations website because they've got they've got it all planned and they're telling you very openly what they are doing and it's it's absolutely extraordinary because what they're saying is they're going to crack they're going to get rid of gdp global globally yeah. well gdp is how the world goes round gross domestic product <laughs> is how right. the world trades and goes round and they've said what we'll have to do is replace it with something else and they've also said that a fiscal reckoning will have to come for this pandemic and we will have to be sure that the businesses and the individuals will be able to pay their fair share of taxes to pay for this lockdown well that is clear it's it's going to be green taxes surveillance capitalism and uh, uh, a sort of form of, of uh, well, it's, it's, it's going to be a form of restriction. They might even bring rationing in, you know, that we talk, they're talking about yeah. food rationing, all sorts of things. I mean, the thing is that this is, they call it a green utopia, the, the Great Reset or the Green New Deal. I mean, this is Agenda yeah. 21 rebranded as the Green New Deal or the, 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 the Great Reset. But what we're going to get is not a, a, a green utopia. We're going to get a technocratic dystopia. And that is exactly what we're going to get. And it's going to get worse and worse. And, and people are going along with this. And, and most people don't even know what the Great Reset is. Right. But somehow yeah. our entire governments have agreed to all this. And I know there's a bit of a a bit of a backlash within our our government where some of the MPs are saying, well, hang on, we didn't agree to this. None of this has been mandated. It's just happening. It's tyranny. It's yeah. literally it's happening. Yeah, and it's the same thing. Yeah, I just saw that in the UK today, like the Tories were opposing lockdown or yeah. something. Yeah. 
And in America, right, I mean, we have this constitution, we have where you're supposed to vote before decisions are made. Uh, you know, nothing was, no one was regarded about nothing about this whole scenario. Same thing here, two million people are supposed to die, we're locked down, etc. And, you know, what you're just mentioning, we know we've, hit, we've heard this Green New Deal thing quite a lot, right, with the election uh, not too long ago here. And I think if people knew what you were saying, they may have changed, I mean, the way they voted. And, and, and you know, there's a lot of conflicting reports about the outcome anyway, so maybe they will change, who knows, or whatever, right? I think at some point, people, you know, people have to just wake up regardless of what happens. And you can't just put all your eggs in one basket with politics. Because um, yeah. so, yeah, as, you, as you mentioned, it is, it is a interesting theme. Like I remember it vividly, it was March 17th. We had to shut the office down and for two, for nine weeks almost, we, two months we were in, lock, in a lockdown. Now, how on earth is every single, per, every government on the planet all in line at the same time, the same place, almost uh, identically? So, yeah. yeah. You know, and if you look at all the headlines, you may have seen this as well. All over the planet, maybe the language changed, but the headline, the wording is exactly word for word the same. Like the programming, it was it was insane. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we have been programmed. It is a program. It's a psychological operation, and you know, e- even even the mask wearing is is a form of it's a form of of, of trying to, of, of seeing how how much people will will comply or how well they will, yeah. will comply. Yeah. This, 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 is this is the fascinating thing. Sorry, just just remember yeah, as you ahead. mentioned on the last point, it's like you know you mentioned about they would for this all this green stuff that we're going to get taxed well the, the thing that fascinated me in the last few months when i returned to america was people want to pay more tax it's like what what are you like what are you smoking you know like <laughs> i've never heard that in america where america was founded where because they fought the you know the british because they were getting taxed too much and now here we are where people are like i want to pay more tax it's like what what's going on i want i don't want my freedom yeah. it's like uh, what, I, it's like it's un, I don't understand what's going on, and I think I don't think the majority of people believe that. I just think they've been tricked. They don't actually know what they have agreed to. Well, nothing's been agreed to officially. It's just this is all just hearsay in the media and nothing in the air. Not, not, nothing's actually happened, to be honest. So we're still in the air. People just think that something's happened, but anyways. <laughs> mm, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, it's it really has been the most extraordinary sort of. Uh, I suppose it's, it's almost like a coup d'etat and there's not been a shot fired. I mean, I find it extraordinary that all this has happened through a psychological operation and that, that really it, it, they've managed to get global governance, literally, and everybody complying to it and walking into their own prisons. And that to me is extraordinary. And there's, you know, it is interesting that there's a whole load of people that are getting it and, and understanding it and then the majority of people aren't and how do you sort of somehow get this get this through to people because you know I, I've been trying for 10 years <laughs> you know it's yeah it's very difficult yeah oh absolutely it, it has been very interesting how that is the psychological state of people uh, you know I mean I you know I come from a health perspective obviously trying to find different solutions for people. And even that, you know, it's been challenging. But I feel recently things have shifted where people are more open to alternative viewpoints, alternative ways of, and they're not really alternative, they're just different. I don't even like mm. saying alternative. 
Right? Mm. There's, a, there's, a, there's a better way to live life. And whether it's yeah. having a better mental state, physical state, spiritual state, and people are awakening to that. But as you say, many people are still, uh, I guess they're living in 1971, uh, pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but I do feel that if people realized how long this plan, and there is proof of it. I mean, do go to my website. There's a few things that I haven't uh, yet put on. I mean, there, there, for instance, there's... Um, you know, apart, apart from, you know, all those Club of Rome reports that created Agenda 20. And just, and just, uh, just to clarify, what is Club of Rome? The Club of Rome, it, well, they, they are, if you look at it on Wikipedia, it says it's a club of um, influential people, uh, politicians, um, uh, corporate leaders, uh, big, big sort of big business people who uh, feel that they have... Um, an idea of how to improve the world. I mean, that's how they, they sugarcoat themselves. And, you know, the fact that, you know, that, that most of them are in Davos, you know, and Davos is the World Economic Forum. And at Davos every year, they decide how to control humanity. I mean, those, those, those um, uh, meetings they have in Davos in, in Austria, is it in Austria or Switzerland, somewhere like that? Anyway, it's somewhere snowy. They have they have these these meetings, and they they decide what what to do. And now we realise what they've been deciding. They've been deciding how to impose something called lockstep, which actually was a Rockefeller document made in ni- in twenty ten, uh, where they talked about it, it wasn't it wasn't actually called lockstep. It was um. It was the uh, scenarios for the future technology and future development. And it was the Rockefeller Foundation that, that brought this about. And they called it lockstep, a, a world of tighter, top-down global control, more, um, more, more authoritarian leadership with limited innovation and growing citizen pushback. Now, this is you can look at this document, look it up. It's called Lockstep 2010 Rockefeller Foundation. It's on the Rockefeller Foundation website. But all this was discussed at Davos, and this is what came out of it. And so they they've kind of already creating the scenarios to, to for, for for this to happen. And this was in 2010. They they decided on this Lockstep document. Mm. Um, and you know, since then we've had Event 201, which was in uh, 2019, in June 2019, and Event 201 was the uh, the World Economic Forum in conjunction with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to create the scenario of a pandemic and how they would deal with it. And that scenario is exactly what's happening now. Um, and that is on my website as well, Event 201. These are yeah, key kind of, events. Kind of ironic, had. right? Yeah. I mean, uh, and it's a, it's a three-hour, um, you can even f- find it on YouTube, it's a three-hour scenario event of what, they, what would they do if, a, if, a, um, if a, a virus happened in a wet market, but they called it Brazil, and then it migrated to the rest of the world, and how would they deal with it? And it's exactly how they're dealing with it now. Now, we're talking that was a year ago, over, you know, that was, 20, uh, that was June... Uh, 2019 and the bill and melinda gates foundation they aim to make a lot of money out of this vaccine and they've made a lot of money so far and and all everyone's making money the testing is a nonsense as you know it doesn't you can't actually test for this 
And and the the, the whole testing is it, giving false positives, false negatives. You know, yeah. But yeah even Lord, even Lord Fauci, a couple of weeks back, or I don't know, I saw it a video. Even Lord Fauci mentioned that you know if you amplify the testing to increase the number of cycles, you can test positive. So even he, yeah. he, he even slipped out of his mouth. You know, the one of the perpetrators, yeah. at least on the state sides of everything that's going on. I, if I could say that, oh, I, I shouldn't say perpetrator. Just one of the people who was informing us, uh, contradictory yeah. time to time. I could say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and as he, as he mentioned the vaccine, I just want to ask you. You know, we had Pfizer and Moderna recently claim ninety to ninety four percent efficacy. Today, I saw something about it's only seventy percent effective. I mean, just doing basic math. I mean, I know a lot of people in 2020 don't know how to do math, but just doing basic math, looking at the data, this virus has a 99.9 something survival rate, right? So what's your take on a vaccine that may not even well, be, work, well, may not work for everyone? Test it. I mean, it takes it, I, as far as I, I'm aware, and I don't know because I'm not a doctor, but as far as I'm aware, it takes it takes a long time to create a vaccine and to properly uh, risk assess it and, and make sure that it actually works you know and and the thing is that they can't possibly uh create a vaccine that will will do that in the time that they have um and and you know my worry is that you know they're creating a vaccine for i mean i'm going to be brave here for something that doesn't really exist and what they're doing is that it, they're, they're collecting dna and we know that and there is a big, big problem. I mean, you can call me a conspiracy theorist, but I'm not. You know, that the DNA is more important to them than than actually hmm. uh, stopping people from getting sick. Oh. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm very interested that, that I think it's Blackstone have bought Ancestry.com for $5 billion. Now, Ancestry.com is a, is a, is a, a, a global... Uh, thing where you can actually, you know, look at your family tree and you can get tested to see what your origins are. So you send off your swab and they they test it and they say, oh, yes, you're, you know, you're 50% this or 30% that or whatever to find out what your origins are, your racial origins. Well, why would Blackstone, who are actually massive investors into impact investing and blockchain investing, and the whole the whole thing about data surveillance. Why would they want your DNA? Um, mm. And and you know this is it. There's, there's something very strange going on with with actually wanting to know everybody's origins and you know where everybody falls within that. And I find that very very sinister. And that to me is. You know, when, when I know what's going on with with impact investing, as and uh, you've you've, I th- have have you interviewed Alison McDowell? I thought you had. Uh, no, no, I haven't. No, no, she's an amazing woman in the states who's really talking about the how impact investing and he, what they call human capital bonds are going to be the next the new currency, the new uh, data surveillance yeah. currency to replace GDP. And so what they'll do is, is, is data is the new gold, as Eric Schmidt from Google said, that what they will do is take your, your data and literally um, Sell sell your data as a commodity on the the financial markets, almost like uh, futures markets. But they're doing this in schools as well, which is a bit scary because our children literally are their 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 data is being sold 
uh, their educational data and their personal data is being sold, will be sold. And I think it's the, the, the institutions that are putting this into schools at the moment are people like Goldman Sachs. What have they got to do with education? They're putting in software systems and hardware systems into schools to actually get all this on the blockchain so that it is part of this Chinese social credit system. And that bothers me, uh, yeah. coupled along with the DNA harvesting. What could, you know, what, you know, this is, this is opening up all sorts of cans of horrible worms that really, yeah. you know, it's unbelievable. Yeah, i seen in China not too long ago where they, you know, had children in cubicles. I mean, they probably in some places in the States now too. I see some weird pictures online, I think in San yeah. Diego or somewhere. But, you know, these children were having like some kind of monitors where they were monitoring all their data. I mean, all, the, all their education. And I, I don't yeah. know where the data goes. But yeah, in China, they have, as you mentioned, the social credit system, the traffic light system, green, uh, yellow, red, and tells you what you can and can't do, right? This is quite yeah. fascinating. That's a whole kind of worms in itself. And as you yeah. as you mentioned, Alison, yeah, I definitely have to uh, try and get her on here and talk to her about that. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm doing a, a a sort of a round table with her quite soon. Um, uh, there's you know, a few of us are getting together, and we're going to put it right out. Um, it's oh, awesome. she, she is extraordinary. She's kind of very much in her field because she she, she works in education, and she saw it coming two years ago, and I was following her. Uh, two years ago when she was saying that there's something really weird going on in education that, that what they're trying to do is is try and force children into machine-driven learning um, mm. and and then she realized that what was really happening was the data harvesting and that what eventually they really want to do is get rid of bricks and mortar schools and have children forced onto uh, onto onto computers so that they actually they can actually they can harvest the, the child's, if you like, the, the, everything about that child, what's going on in their home, what's going on everywhere, they can harvest all that data. And what they, what they do is that throughout that child's um, uh, academic life, wh- whenever that child actually reach, reaches the goals that are set by the United Nations and the WEF to create the perfect global citizen. Uh, you know, tokens are generated on the, on, the, on the blockchain and these go into wallets, of which that's when the impact investors get their payout is when the perfect global citizen has been created. So they're looking at, you know, who are the leaders, who are the followers, who, who has empathy, who doesn't have empathy, and where does that child or that potential human being uh, that's being betted on, they're actually betting on this as almost as futures. Uh, and that's how the money is generated. They bet on their future outcomes. And when that child fits into the military industrial complex that they've created. Now, this to me is like sci-fi gone bonkers, but this is actually happening. And, and we have to stop this with all our might, all our efforts, because if we don't, then human, the human condition has been lost. Yeah, and if there's any, you know, I, I don't have children yet. I know you do. You know, you've got yeah. uh, you got grandchildren as well, and I want to have yeah. children one day soon. And any parent listening to this, I mean, anyone, this, if, if if this is true, this has to be something to take seriously. And it's one hundred percent true. Uh, get Alison on the show. She she has yeah. an amazing uh, blog called Wrench in the Gears. W R E N C H. I N the gears, the gears, yeah. red okay. in the gears. And she has been, I mean, it's, 
I, I looked into it because I thought, you know, this sounds like science fiction beyond right. belief. I realized that actually Dave, um, wasn't Dave, Steve Rockefeller wrote a paper on human capital bonds. Uh, that I think it was way back probably about seven or eight years ago. And this system was trialed in this system of, of, of um, monitoring behavior was trialed in Peterborough Prison here and in poor areas, poor black areas in America. And so this has been trialed and the human capital bonds have been expanded since then. And the big capital bond uh, the investors are people like BlackRock, Blackstone, Citibank, um, definitely Goldman Sachs. And these are the people developing the software to put into the schools. And in fact, in England, they're already implementing uh, Goldman Sachs software into the schools so that the children can learn how, you know, to, to, to literally be online learning the whole time. So if they do continue with these complete lockdowns, those children are then not with their peers. And that's the whole idea, is to alienate people and to stop humanity from communicating as human beings. And this is what we find. Yeah, it just seems, it just seems insane because it's like everything you're explaining is uh, converging at the same time right now, right? This is, it's, it is. It's, un, it's, it's unbelievable. Like, like the, whoever, whoever, if, whoever designed this is, is a mastermind. You know, I want to, I, would, I, I need to, uh, I, need, I need to get there. I need to talk to them uh, and, and we'll see how can use this genius? Because we all have a genius within us. How can we use that genius for yeah. something good? You know, I mean, because yeah. it can go either way. Something, not something, you know, that's going to lead us into tyranny. And, and, and literally, I mean, I think I despair when I realize that the aim, the whole transhuman agenda is to get rid of human beings altogether. Mm. Um, and uh, <laughs> this, is, this is beyond, mm. you know, it, it's, it's, it's what they really want is to be able to, and, and Elon Musk says he can, you know, he's got the ability to do this, to download human consciousness so that, that you will live forever. Now, not everybody will live forever, obviously, because they've got that one nailed. But the, the few that will live forever will be able to have new robotic, beautiful bodies and they'll be able to download their consciousness, I don't believe they can download consciousness, but apparently this is what they're saying they can do, into this, you know, cyber person. Now, this is like crazy. This is, you know, I never thought I'd live to see this actually even spoken about, let alone happening. And this is what is, you know, what is happening. If you go onto, uh, you know, Elon Musk's website or or any of the, you know, the transhumanist website, I mean, there is a, even a political party in England called the Transhumanist party oh, wow. uh, UK, where they're, they're, all, they're all geeks and they think this is all fantastic you know how can you explain that there, there is a divine there is there is a divine presence within the human that you cannot replicate that you can't turn into a, a, a cyber you know a cyber person you can't you can't get that spark of if you like the creator god whatever you want to call it you can't get that in a in a robot and they don't yeah. want them, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's what I think like the the soul, the it's life cool. force, the energy, the chi, yeah. whatever you want to call it, the prana. Uh, yeah. the, the, this this is I don't see I, in you know, I from what I have studied and what I've experienced in my short life to date, I don't see how anyone can replicate this. And if no. there is a way, then 
I guess, uh, help us all. I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, well, um, beyond, yeah, beyond. I pray. I pray a lot. <laughs> you know, I just don't know what else to do sometimes. But, you know, I do think we can win this. But, you know, I wouldn't be here right now talking to you if I thought we couldn't win this. I think I would have, you know, probably jumped in a river somewhere with a bottle of vodka. But <laughs> I honestly think we can we can and that, win and that, this. And, and as you, um, as you mentioned can... that about winning this, I'm going to ask you, uh, you know, what, what, there's two things I want to ask you. And it's part of the question is like, what is the solution moving forward, right? And does humanity have hope? And just recently we saw in Denmark where people stood up to yeah. possible medical mandates, lockdowns, where they were, you know, where people wouldn't have a voice in the matter. They banged pots and pans for nine days and the government backed down. Now, what, what's the solution for the rest of us? And is there something in the Danish people that we can uh, take from? I think I th- that, was, that was a real feel-good um, thing when, when that lady came on and said, we did it, we did it, we banged pots and pans. I, I wish that would be as easy in London because, unfortunately, there is the city of London, which is, um, you know, it's, it, I think there's a, we're really under the cosh because of the city of London. It's a financial, you know, sort of capital of the world sort of thing. And, um, and I think we, we have a, I don't think, I would love to think that banging pots and pans outside number 10 would actually change things. But um, I think we really are under the cosh and a few of the few countries really are under the cosh. I mean, the US, for instance. I mean, I think, I think it really has to be uh, a, a massive movement of non-compliance um, because all the time, you see, I talk to people all the time out on the street and they're wearing a mask, but they just say, I think it's all nonsense wearing this mask. Well, I say, well, why don't you take it off? Oh, and I can't because of so-and-so down the road and so-and-so and my family and this, that and the other. Now, if, if, I really feel that if we have a massive surge to get the real truth out, like you are doing brilliantly, and uh, so many people that 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 you know speak about speak openly about this, all the rallies that are going on. I mean, I, I've been to a few rallies and they've been brutal. People have been arrested. I mean, it's been horrendous. I, I was at the Trafalgar Square rally where I was speaking and. I saw them all coming in. These, these, they weren't even police. They weren't the Metropolitan Police who were lovely. These were hired in mercenaries. They had koshies and baseball caps and they were just beating people. Now, this is it. If we, if we all just and, and sorry, Just to interrupt you, that was, the, that, that, that was the event yeah. you were, what you were, that was in September with David Icke and as a, I forgot yes. his name, a doctor from Germany. Oh, Dr. Dr. Shoning, Dr. Heike Shoning. Now, oh, he yeah. wasn't allowed to speak and he got arrested later at um, Hyde Park. But, um, yeah, he came on off just after me and there was Piers spoke and David Icke spoke and then there was, yeah, then, then Heike came on. But uh, that's, when, that's when the police came in. They didn't want him to speak. They didn't want any mm. of us to speak, but they certainly didn't want him to speak because he was revealing what was going on in the medical profession. So... I I just think that, you know, it was, uh, anyway, talking about solutions, I feel that if everybody really gave it one last thing, and if everybody realized, you know, I may, I've made a sort of like a list here of what happens, you know, what, if we don't, if we don't, if we don't, if we don't stand up right now, 
you know, basically we have a cashless society, negative interest rates, social credit, uh, social credit system, which is like the Chinese one, mass surveillance, mandatory vaccines, ID 2020, AI, restriction of movement, which we have anyway, but it will be permanent, health passports, you won't be able to travel unless you have the, the dreaded vaccine, which God knows what's in it. I mean, we're, we're told that there's there's nanoparticles in it. Well, I don't know. I'm not, I'm, nobody knows what's in it because they won't ever tell us. Um, you know, energy rationing, food rationing, confiscation of private property, banning of private motor vehicles, crippling taxation, eventually depopulation. Now, you know, make your choice. Do you want that or do you want to be free human beings? Take the damn masks off, go back to work and they can't police all of us, can they? I mean, it's it's almost impossible. And I think, it, you know, there, there's various uh, class actions going on, but it's all too slow. I mean, there was a class action going on um, with Michael Benicia, but whether that will come to anything, because I've seen this before. I marched uh, for the end of the Iraq war in Trafalgar Square many, many years ago. And we asked for, for Tony Blair to be actually trialed for war crimes. That man is behind all of this right now. Nothing happened. He didn't get taken to court. You know, this man should be hung for what he's done. Treason. Now, I'm not, I'm not advocating hanging. <laughs> Sorry about saying that. I just get a bit... A bit, but, but the fact is that, that, you know, Tony Blair, along with many, many other senior politicians that have been and world leaders, are actually behind this entire thing and have planned it. And Tony Blair is a major, major one in impact investing. So, you know, this, they've all got their fingers in, and their noses in the trough and their fingers in the pies. They've all been bought and paid for by this. They want... They want this to happen because they, they, they will be okay. They'll be able to fly around the world and they will have their billions and we will be the victims of all of this. So I think the only, this is a chance that humanity, the only chance that we have now to preserve the future of the human being and the human condition. And what we have to do is we have to save ourselves. No one's going to do it for us. No one's going to do it. We have to do it. And this is our spiritual challenge right now, is to get up and actually challenge this with all our might. If I can do it, I'm a grandmother. You know, I, I stand to get arrested every time I, I speak, but I do. And I don't care, you know? I don't care. And, you know, some of my family don't agree with what I'm doing. They think I'm mad. <laughs> You can't win. But if they, you know, and they don't even want to look at the history of what's, you know, where this has come from and how the way it's going and how it's been planned meticulously, meticulously for years and decades since the end of the Second World War. And my father, I have to say, my father fought the Second World War. I would, you know, he'd be turning in his grave if he thought that all of this was happening. We've actually got fascism on our streets. When he fought, he fought the Battle of Britain you know, he was a pilot and he fought the Battle of Britain. He'd be devastated if we thought that Nazism, you know, and, and fascism was on our, our streets now, because that's where that's what it's come to, basically. Yeah. So I don't know. I think, what do you think? How can, how can, and do you have any ideas of how we can overcome this? I think mass non-compliance is one. Yes, you know, I, I never advocate uh, violence or rioting, but I do think there comes yeah. a time when every single person on this planet has to look within themselves and say and discern what's right and wrong 
we have yeah. to have access to all information and we have to, yeah. you know, I, I don't think it's my job to tell someone what to do, but at some point no. we have to stand for humanity. We have to stand for ourselves, our children, our future grandchildren. Uh, we ha- and we have mm-hmm. to say, you know, uh, is this what, what we are doing today? Is it taking us to a world that we want to create or is it taking us to destruction and despair and we have i think for what i always talk about is a is a spiritual upgrade and what i mean by that is that you know it's time for us to unite like we have to get we have to we have to upgrade from the physical to the metaphysical like the divisions of race gender nationality boundaries whatever it's not time for that it's time it's time to realize that you know go become soul conscious realize we're all one and yeah. it's when we realize that that nothing will be able to stop us. And the thing about the soul is that in the physical plane, I mean, we have a body, but the energy can never be destroyed. It's, it's Newton's third law. Energy can never be destroyed or created. So yeah. in that aspect, what is there to fear? There's nothing to fear except fear itself. So all we have to do is literally, we don't have to be violent. We don't have to scream and shout. We just have to stand united mm. and as you mm. said just say just simply respectfully say no, no. and say no. that's and it i have to say every every one of the rallies i've been to they have been so peaceful and yeah. and we've made a point of saying you know social you know stand away from each other if that's what the police want you to do and let's be let's thank the police for their presence and oh, absolutely. we are yes. all in this together yeah. And if and, and if someone and if someone wants to if someone wants to, uh, even though I you know I may not agree with it, if someone wants to wear a mask, if someone wants to get injected, if someone wants to stay at home, by all means do so. But but my own, my my plea is that all of us have access to all the information and that we all make our own decisions, and that yeah. nobody should be nobody should be thwarted for the decision they make because that's yeah. that's what it, you know that the countries that at least we grew up in being in UK or in the United States is for me as well grew up in both it's it's the liberty and the freedom of choice that allows us to create to grow to move forward and it, it allows us to have fascinating stories of human humanity human beings individuals adding to the collective and if we are if that's taking away then we will just be robots whether the AI comes in or not, we'll be robots because we won't have that creative genius. Our inner genius won't be allowed to shine. So as you asked me, this is, this, is, this is what I want to see. You know, we're all mm-hmm. artists. We all have a gift and we all must share it in our own unique individual way. But if we are thwarted, if we aren't given the freedom, then how can we do that? We, I don't think that can be allowed. No, I think I think it, it it is the removal of our of our right to freedom of choice, freedom of movement, and freedom of assembly, freedom to actually say that we don't think this is right. To take yeah. that away from us is tyranny. It is actually a dictatorship. Yeah. And even and there's there's even movements. Sorry, just yeah. there's even been movements that I don't agree with, but I agree with someone's right to protest. Oh, absolutely. And if I don't, I agree yeah. for I, I agree for their voice to be heard. I may not agree with their point of view, yeah. but I will. I, I respectfully, I would, you know, I will defend their right to say it, because it's yeah. through dialogue that I believe we can find better solutions. It's not through yeah. monologues. No one's ever achieved anything except for themselves through a monologue. That's not how society works. <laughs> Unless you want a society of one person, <laughs> you know. Even you know, I don't agree with Extinction Rebellion, obviously, but. 
you know, them assembling in London, you know, you didn't find, well, I, I certainly didn't go up there and try and stop them. But also, neither did the police try and stop them. And they, they closed down London for weeks on end. And there was no, uh, there was no real uh, arrests. They didn't bring, they didn't bring the people in to beat them with batons and what have you. It's very interesting how the controllers will allow certain certain people to protest and not others, and that that I found yes. very interesting because yeah. uh, but, you know we can't even. Yeah. Yeah, it's been it's the same thing in America. We've had certain people allowed, certain people aren't allowed, but. You know, I, I do agree with what you're saying, and and I do think that we have hope, and we that humanity will always prevail, no matter what. History has proven this, and I think it will prove it again. Yeah. And I just want to ask you finally, before we get off here, is uh, what does being a human mean to you? What does being being human mean to me? I think it means being. You see. I believe that human beings are fundamentally good. Um, now, there's a big, there's always a debate about this, isn't there? Um, you know, do human beings, you know, are they good or are they bad, really? And they just, ha you know, they just pretend to be good or they'll be good for certain reasons. I don't, I don't believe that at all. Um, and I, I do believe that there's, there's something about the human condition that humans love, for a start. Um, they, they have the capacity for, for amazing love. They have the capacity for, for terrible things too. But genuinely, if a human is actually given the love it, it, it needs and, and the caring it needs, they, they grow up to be loving, caring human beings. And the thing is that I believe really that, that they have the, the most extraordinary creative capacity. And I do believe that in the role right environment it's a bit like nurture and nature in the right environment humans things that they could possibly be if they didn't have what's being imposed or what has been imposed on human beings throughout history um this is why i believe that you're right about this whole paradigm change where um perhaps the human condition really has to almost become something else you know not not a not a transhuman but it has to you know the, the human consciousness develops because I think we've been suppressed for many 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 years I mean I think millennia and I think the the real true human is is part divine and and needs that kind of expression and I think that you know we we have this work this ability to 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 actually to upgrade, as you said, yeah. yeah no, absolutely, that was, that was wonderfully said. I really appreciate your time, Sandy. It's been a fantastic conversation. I know that there's probably so much more to discuss and dive into, and perhaps we'll have to sit down again and go even further as things develop over the coming months. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you shared a lot of knowledge. You probably raised a lot of questions for a lot of people. And I think yeah. it's, and that's, and that's the biggest thing I want people to take away from this is where, wherever you may be listening to this and whatever state you may be in and uh, whatever you, you may think this is right, this is wrong. You may not, you may agree with everything. You may not, dis you may disagree with everything, but I think it's important that you go do your own research and you find out and you make your own decisions. I think this is really important. 
because a lot of times we're given a plate that's not full and then we eat and we and we re, and we, we don't and we wonder why we're not growing we're not nourished we're not developing we're not uh, we're not thriving as the humans were meant to be so i think it's a, so thank you again so much for your wisdom and knowledge and uh, i'll share the links to to your website and everything else so people can check it out So, yeah, thank you. Thank yeah. You do, do share me. One thing I forgot to mention was this yeah. book. Now, this is just another proof. This is the Global Diversity Assessment. Oh, I've got it upside down. Yeah, the Global Diversity Assessment. And uh, this was this was created after Agenda 21 to put it, everything into an action plan of how to, how how Agenda 21 could be created and it's a uh, it's 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 over well over a thousand pages and it costs three billion dollars to produce oh. um but it it um it actually mentions the smart cities and what they call human settlement zones so this is proof there's very few of these left in the world um and in fact the united nations tried to deny that it existed but on page i think it's 993 they actually mention the human settlement zones and the corridors that go between them so this is this is actually been planned for a very long time and this is the the end game is to have us living in these smart cities and away from nature which again is a non-human thing that's the last thing i have to say <laughs> sorry no you're fine no that's, that's, okay. that's uh, before we, before we sign off yeah yeah that was interesting thing you mentioned because You know, I was in Waikil, Ecuador, which was claimed to be one of the first smart cities in South America. And it's also, I think I lost it. I think I lost it a second, but yeah, no. Oh, am I still here? Oh, there we are. Yes, no, yeah, thank you. Yeah, the smart city thing is very interesting. When we even look at uh, what's been going on this year, you know, why are people, why are more people dying in cities versus the countryside? Maybe this is something uh, you as a listeners can go explore yourselves. And I'm sure we'll touch on this in the future again. Um, yeah. So we'd love and appreciate your time, Sandy. And thank you to all thank the listeners. You. And I hope that we find, the, you know, we, we actually beat this. I think we will. We have to. We have to. <laughs> okay. Thank you very Thank you. much, Marwin. Brilliant to speak to you. Bye-bye. All right.